Michelle is a musician with albums released as Everyone Except Me and artist behind the post-apocalyptic webcomic Stray Cats. She's kind, a bit shy, and furiously creative. Henrik is a filmmaker with over two dozen films and TV shows as producer, director, and occasionally host. He also released a couple of music albums. He's bombastic, larger than life, and tenacious almost to a fault. Together, they've been best friends for a decade. This show is awkward. So, Michelle, mm-hmm. <laughs> how are you today? I'm okay. How are I'm, you? I'm pretty good. I, I think I'm very loud in your headphones. I can almost hear myself really? in your microphone. Yeah. Because <laughs> I can't, you're not that loud. Oh. Wait, what about now? Um, yeah, I can hear myself just a little bit. I'm sorry. That's I don't, weird. I don't I'm know. Like how to... really, I'm like really listening though. <laughs> I'll turn it down a little. Okay. I mean, I can just better? talk louder. No, I'm always yeah. going to talk loud, so it doesn't matter. You're, there's no hope here. If you want hope, go somewhere else, kid. Mm-hmm. So, Ked. K-E-D. Ked. It's a, it's a word. Um, So, Jeez. I am having quite a day. <laughs> Lots of yeah. work stuff is driving me nuts. Um, just problems to solve, et cetera, et cetera. But I have my Topo Chico Lime, oh. which we are not sponsored. But we could be. Uh, no, we won't. Because I found out yesterday, my heart, my little heart was broken. My little Hispanic heart was broken when I found out Topo Chico uh, is owned by Coca-Cola. They could sponsor us. I, I, you, know, you, know, you know, you're right. I need to start aiming higher. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, so... I, uh, but no, I do like Topo Chico. It got, it's a, just a Mexican mineral water. I don't know if you've ever had it before. It's good. It's a bubbly Mexican mineral water, but, uh, Coca-Cola bought it a few years back and they've been expanding it into the American market more and more. So now I don't even have to go to the, uh, Mexican grocery to get it. I can just buy it at, at Meyer. Um, and now they've just unleashed the alcoholic Topo Chico, you know, like a hard Mm -hmm. seltzer Topo Chico, which I don't drink so hooray i hope that everybody has a great time with it while i'm sitting over here going why is there only plain and twist of lime give me Mm -hmm. more Mm -hmm. Mm. but what a day what a day what a day um oh david denoyer commented in the chat he said i got our contractor set up i'm guessing he's referring to he had an issue with his bathroom his toilet was leaking and it uh messed up the floor a little bit oh like the wax ring or i i I believe it, it was causing the tile to warp from like water wa- leaking? Yeah, like the wax ring or okay. something. Yeah. Did they have anybody below them? Um, or did they mean, have a basement or no something? No people are below Dave. Dave is the lo- as low as you get. So, uh, no, he does have people below him. So, oh, it's not good. But he's contacted the proper the proper authorities. <laughs> he's contacted his his, uh, his um, landlord and all that. So, um, I want to take a second before I talk about any of the stuff I may have planned to talk about and then forget. Um, oh, David just uh, coming. Yes, we do. LOL. And there may be damage in their apartment. I mean, if it's what I think it is, there's absolutely damage <laughs> in their apartment. Michelle is a trained home inspector, so she she knows stuff. But uh, so. Before we get into whatever else we might end up talking about, I want to talk about Bruce Willis. I don't know if you heard about this. This news just broke. I haven't heard about anything Bruce Willis today. He's stepping away from acting because he's suffering from aphasia, which is a, a like a neurological ailment. 
Why are you laughing? <laughs> I'm just reading. I was reading. David's Why are you reading comments, the chat? And then, and then I realized I was smiling, and that was not the right reaction. It was not the right time to smile. That's why you're not supposed to read the chat. That's why I I read the chat out loud when it's appropriate, is so that you're not laughing at some of America's favorite people suffering from a brain injury. I'm glad so. that it makes you so happy that he can't work anymore, and that so. The word on the street, he's 67 years old, by the way. I didn't realize he okay. was quite that up there. I thought he was I thought he was closer to like 60 than 70. I thought, I thought maybe he was older, actually. Really? Than 67? <laughs> it's been a long time. I mean, you're not wrong. It was a long time since Die Hard and all that. So, mm-hmm. but uh I my heart just goes out. I like all those cheesy Bruce Willis movies that he's been doing. Yeah. And uh, you should really mute your phone before that we do a show. That was not my phone. That was my iPad somewhere. That's the same thing. I don't know how to mute that. Mute so. your devices. I feel like your life exists solely to step on the fact that I actually wanted to say really nice things about Bruce Willis today. <laughs> and so you sorry. are just not willing to let it you, happen. I wasn't going to say anything about my phone. You could have just let it go and it wasn't my phone. But still. Oh, could I? Could I? Yes. I don't think I'm capable of that. But uh, no, I, I, I want to say, so Bruce Willis is 67 years old, and a lot of people have made a lot of jokes about the fact that he's done a lot of B-movies lately, a lot of cheesier stuff and lower quality stuff. I don't mind that's that kind of thing. I, I actually get a real kick out of it. And recently, one of the guys who's most famous for doing that is Nicolas Cage. And Nicolas Cage recently came out and said flat out, he was like, I did all those VOD movies to pay off my tax debt, I believe it was. Or I believe it was tax debt. Um, it was a debt. He was like, I worked like crazy to do that. And he was like, but I never phoned in any of those performances. And I believe him because I've yeah. watched most of them. And Nicolas Cage is excellent. Bruce Willis, a lot of people thought because he was doing so many of these little movies have thought, hey, is Bruce Willis not well? Is Bruce Willis, you know, or not, not well, is Bruce Willis broke? Is Bruce Willis, uh, you know, struggling with money? So he's doing this because the, the scuttlebutt is that most of those movies he did, he got a million dollars each for, which would mean that over the course of like four years, he was like, you know, knock, he was like knocking out four or five million dollars a year. Yeah. It's a lot of money. Well, some people who are now feeling really guilty had reportedly had been making fun of him because they were talking about how, like, I guess in some of his more recent movies, he's, he was wearing an earpiece and you could see it. And it appeared that he was being fed dialogue. Like he wasn't memorizing his dialogue. Oh, no. And some people were saying like, look at him. He's so, he's so uninterested in the project. He won't even memorize dialogue. And now this news comes out that actually He's retiring from acting officially because he he has neurological problems. He can't remember the dialogue. I mean, it's really, really cynical to think that someone would phone it in that much that they'd be like, oh, we'll give you an earpiece so you, you know, can. The ear. So earpiece teleprompter is actually a a carnival thing, believe it or not. Um, it's considered a way you can, I, I wanted to learn this, but I don't have the equipment and maybe I'll, maybe I'll decide to learn it. Earpiece teleprompter is where you have a, uh, the old school version of it is where you have an earpiece in your ear and you have a tape recorder or some kind of thing that plays and a button in your shoe to turn it on and off. And you learn, you train yourself to say the words you're hearing basically as you're saying them. Yeah. I know how to do that. Yay. And then you can, you, what happens is you can become the ultimate 
carny salesperson because whatever is for sale, you have the entire sales pitch. You're just yeah. talking and talking and you just pause it when people ask a question or you pause it when you're whatever. Why are you making those faces? Why what is are happening? Why not doing this? I don't know. Why aren't you? I don't know. Can you really say exactly what you're hearing as you're hearing it? Um, I don't know. I think so. Okay. We're testing this right now. right now. I don't want to test it. Oh right man. <laughs> okay. Cause I could read, I could read from this and you could just try to read at the same time as I do you, am. Do you want to do that? Yes. Okay. But it's, yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's embarrassing. Perfect. Uh-huh. Here we go. You ready? I'm ready. Maybe. The 67-year-old actor's family shared the news on Instagram Wednesday, writing alongside a photo of him on their Instagram feed. You actually did a good job with that first sentence. (laughs) Yeah, and then I got scared. (laughs) That that's like you know how when I when I would do like the the Uncle Henny campfire stories and I would like not uh, slip up for like a paragraph straight or whatever. Mm -hmm. People were always like, "Wow, how do you do it?" It's like I stopped caring. And that's the only way, because the moment I start thinking like, huh, is my mouth too wet? Am I? Oh, I just, yeah, you know? yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's the same way on Weekly Spooky when I get on a tear. It's because I stop thinking about anything. I'm just reading. Um, but, but no, uh, ear teleprompter. And apparently David just commented. He said, Michael Rooker uses an earpiece for fed lines too. Huh. I did not know that Michael Rooker's also way up there in age. Hmm. But now the word on the street, which is not official so far, is that he may have been doing all those movies just to cash in before, you know, because he was having problems, health problems, so that he could just cash in before he had to retire. Mm -hmm. Which makes perfect sense if ever, if, if people were banging, Michelle, this is a real question. Okay. Mm -hmm. So if, if tomorrow someone came to your door and had a suitcase full of money, and said, we will give you a million dollars for every action movie you do for us. You'd do it, right? I mean, I wouldn't believe them. Well, that's why, why they would have they the suitcase. Me... That's why they have the suitcase. But, like, I guess I could look in the, the suitcase and be like, let me just see if this is a million dollars. <laughs> let's, we're let's going assume... to the bank. We're going to use that little pen. Let's assume that they, that they take you to the bank and there's an escrow account and everything checks out. Because, okay. I, I mean, because obviously this would be absurd. Uh, for many reasons, including that you don't act, which is one of the reasons it would be so absurd. But that's kind of my point. So if you knew for a fact you'd get a million dollars every time you did one of these, and they were like, we'll even let you do up to four of them a year. And it wow. takes and it takes like three weeks each. Okay. You'd do it, right? Of course. Why, why wouldn't I do it? I mean, would you even care? I mean, would you, I mean, would you care about being embarrassed or anything? Or would you just be like, no, I'm going to go do this. This is like no, I'd, I'd excellent care. opportunity. I care. And also I try really hard to do the best job that I could. I believe so. that. But my point is that you're, you're, you're not, a, you don't consider yourself an actor. You don't. Well, I'm act- an actor now. Well, you, yeah, damn right. A professional one at that. So it's just, that's, so that's the thing. That's why I never got mad. You know, when people are like, oh, all these, these VOD movies are being dumped the star like Nicolas Cage. I'm like, well, then don't watch them. What do you like? A lot of them are fun. I mean, I, I think, I think that's, that's, um, 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 that word i think that's holding uh like actors um to an unreasonably high standard because i do things i don't like all the time at my job because they pay me so and like no one's like oh michelle went to work and she had to tell people about not making what a sellout what What a sellout i mean i am but (laughs) like you know you know no one's like oh she really phoned it in today at the job that she hates (laughs) i mean 
there is an unfair standard to people that are in creative mediums without a doubt mm-hmm. yeah. that they can't have a, like, you know, you know what they used to call, you'd like this. You know what they used to call um, books and screenplays that were just like general thrillers that like, you know, whoever would like, you know what I mean? Like, like that you would see back in the day, like you would get a paperback on a, you know, on a, uh, a grocery store shelf. Mm-hmm. You know what they, you know what they used to call those manuscripts? I, I feel like I knew of a name, but I don't know. They called them pot boilers Oh. because oh. they keep your pot, you'd keep your stove on because you'd, <laughs> because you'd. You'd write them to pay your bills. So they called them pot boilers. But the funny thing is people, there's an entire segment of the world that love pot boilers mm-hmm. because they're just simple, completely lacking in any, in any desire for, I, I, I hate to put it this way because it sounds like I'm being negative, but no desire to be uh, for integrity, no desire to be brilliant, just to be interesting and accomplish the very basic goal that they set out, which is to like give you a thrilling story. And, but now you can actually talk to people. I've talked to people who like, when they list their favorite types of books, they say like, I really like, you know, I like adventure. I like fantasy. I like romance. And I really like like adventure thriller pot boilers because <laughs> it's become its own thing because it's so simple in its execution. So I've always had a, I've always had like a soft spot in my heart for the, just the concept of pot boilers, let alone the literal pot boiler. I mean, my favorite things sometimes You've probably noticed this about me. Like I collect young adult horror novels. Mm-hmm. They're not written tenderly. They're not written with, you know, five months to of rewrites and notes and this. A lot of them are written in like three weeks. They're like experiments for the writers to see if they can write something good that quickly. Yeah. And uh, in fact, I was I was watching a, a documentary piece about R.L. Stein about when when Scholastic sued R.L. Stein because they became convinced there was no way he was writing all the books that he was de- delivering, but he'd contractually agreed to write all of the Goosebumps books. Sure. And to this day, he claims he never used ghostwriters. And the funny thing is, if you want to hear like the most stupid like businessy fucking word you ever you've like phrase you've ever heard here's why scholastic was like you must be using ghostwriters because they're like you're writing like one book every month for us for the last 40 months and the and the quality's gone down you must have hired someone else you don't think maybe he's just tired you don't think maybe he's running out of ideas 40 fucking months in a row what? <laughs> right like what do you think is happening like what do you I mean, like, am I crazy or is that, uh, that sounds fair, right? That sounds like a fair statement. I mean, I, I couldn't do anything. I don't think I could do anything that I like to do creatively. 40 of them every month, like a totally new thing. Yeah. No. And make it them good. Well, in no. his defense of that 40, four of them were monster blood books. Wow. Okay. It's 36. So like 37. <laughs> Yeah, no, no. Yeah. I mean, it, it you know, like it, as long as they're, you know, I mean, like what are you going to do? Like well, what do you want? Do you want books or do you not want books? <laughs> well, and to this day, RL Stein uh people no writers have come forward and uh no writers have come forward and stop reading the chat. I, we're I, we're talking about RL Stein now. You're going to show respect I, to someone finally. Okay. okay. <laughs> but no, um 
uh, uh, R.L. Stein had other books like Goosebumps 2000 and, and, and these other offshoot books, which were allowed to have ghostwriters. Okay. But but they weren't marketed as written by R.L. Stein. They were written at, they were marketed as R.L. Stein's Goosebumps, you know, okay. whatever, yeah. R.L. Stein's mm-hmm. this, R.L. Stein's that. No ghostwriters have come forward that wrote straight Goosebumps books. Only the ghostwriters have come forward that wrote those other books. Okay. Yeah. But but most of it was know. because most of those people used nom de plumes, you know, they used fake names mm-hmm. when they were writing the the pot boilers, really. I mean, they were writing the goddamn pot boilers for, for teenagers and kids. Mm-hmm. So it just uh and just just to remind you, there was a time when R.L. Stein would write one Goosebumps book and one Fear Street book every month. So he'd spend a he'd spend ten days on the Goosebumps book and fifteen days roughly on the the Fear Street book. He he claims Goosebumps books got easier to the point where he was writing them in like eight days, seven days sometimes. But I'm he sure said the Fear Street books took formula. longer. Yeah. Oh, he, oh, he admits that he has a formula. Well, I mean, yeah. how else are you going to write a book that fast? Yeah. Like, of course you have. It's like okay, the person. We have to set this up and then a bad thing happens and then the person does this and then, yeah. you know, like I get it. And that's, yeah, there has none to of be. that's bad. No. Like that's just. That's well, plus he would, he would also, um, he would, he also was famous for not giving the main characters much descriptive, just description. Like he mm-hmm. wouldn't describe them very much at all. And people used to be like, what a lazy thing to do, blah, blah, blah. And he was like, eh, it's better for the reader. The reader imagines themselves. I the, also. With, like, descriptions of characters, um, I also, like, don't... I mean, I, I, I like descriptive things, but, like, I don't like writing them because there's not a really good way to communicate them and not sound like you're forcing it into the, the thing. Like, I brushed my long brown hair out of my face. It's like, come on, man. I brushed my long brown hair out of my face as if they were barnacles attached to the ship that is the skull that carries my mind. That's writing. Yeah, yeah. That's writing. Yeah. Um. Oh, Shonum's in here. Uh, he said, "Finally caught another live stream. Good to see you, Shonum. Shonum, yeah. you might. I don't know if you remember talking to him a couple weeks back. Shonum used to listen to Freak Forum live back in the day, uh-huh. back when live streaming was uncommon. When people were like, what 'What are you doing? What What is that face? Are you still checking your phone?' No, I was. David sent me pictures of the floor, and I wanted to see. David, stop distracting my co-host. It's the only one I can afford. Your she shows up will- every week. Your wax ring is broken. <laughs> I'll break your wax ring. Um, anyway, so, but no, uh, that was for real though. Uh, so Scholastic sued um, Parachute Press, I believe, which was the company that Arl Stein owned with his wife mm-hmm. that did all the Goosebumps books. Yeah. So, and speaking of pot boilers, by the way, Arl Stein used his own real name, basically, on the books. He was mostly known by the name Jovial Bob Stein because he wrote comedy books way before he ever wrote horror. Oh. So he used to go by Jovial Bob. Do you remember Eureka's Castle? Yes. That He was the head writer on Eureka's Castle. Really? In fact, okay. remember, ba- remember when Batley would crash and it, he'd like crash when he tried to fly? He'd crash and he'd go, I meant to do that. Yeah. Bob Stein or Bob Stein. Like I know. Oh, Bobby Stein told me. No, uh, but R.L. Stein said that that came from his son learning to walk. Aww. He would stumble and fall. And instead of go, I meant to do that because it would make the, it make everybody laugh and it made the kid happy, you know, to make everybody mm-hmm. laugh. So that's where Batley crashing came from. Aww. I meant to do that. <laughs> but so but R.L.'s life would completely change when a publisher friend of his came to him and said, 
I am having trouble with an author that I work with. It was Christopher Pike, who's another amazing young adult author, uh, who uses a fake name. Uh, <laughs> I am having problems with this author. I need this book. They're not that hard to write. Would you write one? And he's like, I, I could try. And she was like, look, you even have a title. It's The Blind Date. Just go do it. So we went off and wrote it, and then it sold a ton of copies, and he made a bunch of money. And she was like, you want to do it again? And he was like, okay. And he just kept doing it. And then, But then he really hit pay dirt when Goosebumps came about, mm-hmm. because that was when, when he started selling crazy amounts of books. Um, I think he sold 400 million books, which is extra interesting because he made like 400 books. So like, he's like almost at a cool million a book average. It's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. I guess. Mm -hmm. So, uh, speaking of good, there's Chicano on doggo cam. He's having a nice Uh doggo nap. He's doing his flat and pointy routine. He's all pointing in one direction, like Uh all his legs, his tail, his nose, everything. (laughs) So, um, but no, so I love R.L. Stein. that the end. Um, so Bruce Willis, for those who just tuned in or whatever, uh, Bruce Willis is suffering from aphasia, which is a, uh, uh, disorder of the brain. And he's going to be stepping away from acting officially, which I'm bummed about because I've always liked Bruce Willis. Um, I've heard very mixed things about what he's like to work with, but mostly positive. So. I've heard he's got a little bit of, su- of star attitude, you know, like Aww. where he knows what's best to do for his act- for his character and stuff. But that's not just him. That's a lot of those big Aww. name actors. So, Aww. yeah, Kevin Smith claimed that he like didn't want any of his direction. Oh. And I was like, well, you are Kevin Smith. I don't know. I'm not a huge fan. Uh, <laughs> oh. Sorry. Excuse me. Sorry that I'm not a big fan of Kevin Smith. I know because you're from Jersey. You have to be a fan of Kevin Smith. I mean, pretty much so. You know, I'll tell you a story. The first time I drove to Jersey, well, the first time I drove to Jersey because I had moved there, I was, I guess I was moving to Jersey. It was Mm -hmm. just a car load. Um, And when I was on my way to Jersey, I stopped at a, at a rest area halfway, maybe a little bit more than halfway through Pennsylvania. And literally there were a group of young people that, uh, that caught me like when I was walking out of the bathroom, like, Hey man. Uh, where are you headed? And I was like, New Jersey. And like, oh man, me too. You know, we are too. Are you going to the secret stash? Which I guess was like this secret Kevin Smith event thing called, they called the secret stash. Oh. And I literally was like, I am not, I'm moving there. And they're like, oh, cool, cool. And this was a chick. And then she, and then she goes, cool, cool. And then she looks at me and goes, you got any smokables? And I was like, I'm sorry. I, I don't. And I need to get, <laughs> I need to go. I need to get back in my car. Wow. So I couldn't even get halfway to Jersey before I was running into Kevin Smith fans who wanted to talk for some reason. Um, Shonam just said, yikes, I guess the rumors about his health were true. Yes, he has aphasia, I believe is how you say it. And I'm not, I'll look up the definition in a second. Mm -hmm. Um, People were saying he was doing so many horrible movies to build up funds in a short time. That's what uh, a lot of people have been saying. I mean, and I think it was obvious that he was definitely like, he was definitely cranking. You know, he was definitely working harder than he probably ever had before to get to have work constantly. Mm-hmm. So, okay, it's aphasia with an S. It's a loss of ability to understand or express pe- speech caused by brain damage. That's according to dictionary.com. Oh, okay. Um, but there are three types of aphasia. There's Braca's aphasia, Wernicke's aphasia, and global aphasia. All three interfere with your ability to speak and or understand language. 
Holy shit. Shonem sets 41 films since 2015. I had no idea it was that many. I thought That's it was a lot. I thought it was more like 25. <laughs> That's a lot. That's incredible. Um, huh. Okay. I, I, I couldn't find a better example of, of aphasia right away. Um, but yeah, so it's basically, it affects the speech portion of your brain. Mm-hmm. So, Makes which sense. would make it hard to be an actor. Mm-hmm. Like very yeah. hard. So, but it's also just like sad, like a guy like Bruce Willis, you kind of assume he's going to kind of be in movies forever mm-hmm. and he might pop back up. He might, you know, like do some low stress stuff cause it's not as bad depending on how bad his, his, yeah. uh, his ailment is because yeah. a lot of these old timer guys, when they get to be in their seventies and eighties, they, they retire and then come back and then retire and come back, but they don't come back to do like, you know, 15 movies. They come back to do like part in one mm-hmm. movie yeah 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 like a walk-on thing yeah something david denoyer said i hope the that razzie guy is feeling like shit now but probably not the razzies are the insult oscars they're they're where you oh, give you give yeah. awards for worst mm-hmm. performances and stuff apparently red letter media who is a staple of youtube and they're really cool dudes uh but apparently they had said the thing about like, he can't even memorize lines. So he's just using an earpiece cause he doesn't care. And I'm betting they feel really, they feel really yeah. bad. Yeah. They probably feel really bad. So, um, uh, yeah. Uh, Shonem said he has eight movies in post-production right now. Wow. When color of war, uh, our one, our one Twitch viewer is back. Uh, and he said old timer. I mean, I, I, 67 is not super old, but it's not super young. So my mom, if she heard me, she would just not, but, uh, (laughs) (laughs) but no, uh, so it's like, I, I just, I know that there are lots of actors, uh, especially male actors who just kind of like come and go and come and go. So I hope he, I hope he's well, and I hope he, I hope he, and I hope he socked away plenty of money to live comfortably and for his family to live comfortably for forever. So me too. Shonem said, well, Red Letter Media also mentioned the rumors about his health, too, and they left the door open to the possibility in their critique. Good to hear. That makes me happy to hear. Because I like Red Letter Media. They, they, they mostly review bad movies or pop culture phenomenas, um, but they're fun. They're not super mean-spirited or anything, generally speaking. So why, why the expression on your face, Michelle? Are you wondering if you have aphasia? Yeah. I knew it. Are you testing? Are you testing right now? Yeah. Why does your speech sound like that anyway? I don't know. It just always sounds like what, this. What was that? I'm sorry. What? I don't know. Could you speak, I don't, I don't could you understand speak clearer what you're saying. For me? I can't understand <laughs> you. This is not us. Okay. Sorry. So I got to point out, this is not us making fun of Bruce Willis. That I just realized that this people. This is making fun of me. <laughs> this is making fun of Michelle's uh health fears and not yeah. Bruce Willis. I just realized as we were doing that skit, I was like, ah oh, crap. People yeah, people probably no. don't know you're a, a bit of a hypochondriac. No, I'm, yeah, I'm definitely a hypochondriac. <laughs> I mean, it's it's like I just don't I don't really like go into how deep and horrible it is usually yeah. with people. Well, sure. It's- uh, Caller of War said, oh, I hate health rumors. Live and let live, man. I mean, I agree. I, I, I never cared about the rumors about Will, uh, Bruce Willis, but now we know they're not rumors. He's just, he's just unfortunately not well. Yeah. Um, he also said, poor Michelle. Thanks. Aw. See, somebody cares. Um, 
Oh God! And now, and so the re- the first reference makes it, and almost we almost made it a half an hour without mentioning it. And Shonam said, "Just don't make fun of her hair, or I'll have to slap you." Yep. I'm. I'm. Everybody said everything that's worth saying about Bruce Willis or Bruce Willis. Oh my God! Ah, <laughs> uh, maybe I have aphasia now. Now you're getting me to have uh, fear of everything. Sorry, I'm afraid that I can give it to people too. <laughs> <laughs> through the internet yeah. but uh no uh, uh will smith and uh and uh chris rock i have nothing to say and david i'm not i'm not showing your chat um <laughs> i don't everything that is that is worth saying about that whole thing has already been said so you know oh color of war thank you he said you both have epic hair to be fair thought i'd share hey that rhyme too you. epic hair to be yeah. fair i thought i'd share my hair, I'm having a really good hair day today. I took a shower and oh. then just stopped paying attention to it and it just did this. Cool. So I'm, I'm living with it. None of that happened to me today. So. Well, I know that you're mad because I sent you that, that news article about the woman who found out a bird had been nesting in her hair. For, was, it, was it like 54 days? No, it was like 84 days. What? Yeah. And it wasn't. And she was taking care of it. And Wait, she, she knew it was in there. Yeah, she was taking care of it. She wanted it, a bird to live in her hair. Yeah, because it got abandoned. So she, she put it in her hair in a little nest. So there. she placed it in her hair. It didn't, like, get in there. No, I think she placed it in there. I'm I'm pulling up this news article because I need to know. And she was so sad when it finally flew away and she said that she cried. Well, yikes. Okay, so... Let me see if I can just pull up. It's from also, the New York Post, so it's I probably all made up. Yeah, I was going to say, also, I don't really trust the New York Post, but. Okay, it says uh, this article from the New York Post says a bored and homesick English woman living in Africa became a human nest for a weakling finch for nearly three months. Each day he made little nests in my hair on the groove of my collarbone, <laughs> uh, which filled me with awe. Hannah Bourne Taylor, a London-based photographer and copywriter, told The Guardian this week, he'd tuck himself under a curtain of hair and gather individual strands with his beak, sculpting them into a round of woven locks resembling a small nest, then settling inside. She continued, he would allow it to unravel when he was done and start again the next day. Oh, so it didn't, like, sleep in her hair all day. It just, like, did that once a day? That's weird. That's even weirder. The other thing I understood, now I'm confused. (laughs) You you got it. You got it when it was that a bird was just living in her hair. Yeah. Now it's like, why? What? Now it's just her friend. <laughs> she does have a whole lot of hair. Yeah. So that's nice. I bet you could get a bird to live in your hair if you really wanted. I, I think, like, I was thinking about it, but they, like, poop a lot and stuff. Oh, I mean, all the time. And... But if they didn't, or maybe I could like make a nest out of my hair and then line it with like <laughs> saran wrap. So the okay, so then you just have to clean up poo covered saran wrap. Yeah, you just take it out and you put another one in. You could probably just put newspaper in there. I mean, it's bird. Saran wrap is gonna be cleaner because it's nothing's gonna go through. But know? it also but they could slide right off the saran wrap though. Yeah, but it's in it's like a bowl shape, so okay. it's gonna okay get that. Uh, Caller of War said they cannot control their bowels. I think they just claim that so that I they think they can. <laughs> I mean, every time I wash my car, I feel like they absolutely have full control of their bowels. 
but I don't know much about birds. Um, Michelle is supposed to be the resident bird expert, but she's kind of slipping today. I'm pretty sure that they actually can control their bowels, and a lot of times they will poop before they take off, but then that, I don't know. (laughs) Good talk. Good talk. (laughs) So I had, we're 30 minutes in. I haven't even talked about the thing I was going to talk uh, about. Oh, color war said I wash my car because they cannot control their bowels. (laughs) Fair. That's fair. Um, so I am on a diet. I'm trying to eat better and feel better because I turned into like a wastebasket during the lockdowns. And then, and then I got even worse after I actually had long COVID for six, seven, eight months, whatever it was. So I was just like, you know, open my head and just throw trash right inside. So I'm trying to eat better. Um, but it's always hard to talk about to Michelle who has perfectly healthy eating habits. It must be so nice to have such healthy eating habits to, to wake up in the morning and choose vegetables just because that's who you are. They're, must be so nice. No, cause they're expensive. So I just think about how, if I was rich, I would eat so many more vegetables. <laughs> I would just have all the vegetables and they'd be in my house and then I'd make salads all the time. Do you think if you ate... Uh, if you were rich, do you think you'd actually spend money on the vegetables or do you think you'd still be cheap? I think I'd still be cheap. <laughs> well, well, I think I could get like one more vegetable a week, you know, okay. like one more kind of thing. Like yeah. what would it be if you could, if you could have that? It would, it'd be different every week, you know? And I'd wow. just be like, oh, I'm going to get peppers. They're like three eighty five, but I can still get them. Um, Caller of War just said, uh, it's because they have a recto corp coprodeal sphincter which means they go all to, they uh they go all at the same time whenever yeah. then, i like his follow-up which is but anyway <laughs> well i appreciate the science lesson and uh, i hope I, I butchered it mostly but not entirely so man so you're saying you'd be like living in peppers if you were rich right now yeah a pepper yeah i just had a poblano pepper the other day it was so good I, I, I've been mostly just making Mexican food that has no no animal products and minimal bad shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just mostly rice and vegetables. <laughs> Color War just said, I'm into birds, man. What can I say? Hey, I have no shame in that. Uh, yeah. If you ask me questions about Nicaraguan cigars, I could just go on forever until everybody has died of boredom. And they would. They would die. They would literally end your life. If I sat here and told you about Nestor Placencia's farm for like 15 minutes, <laughs> everyone would die. It would be, it would be so sad. It would be, it would be like, uh, like heaven's gate all over again. Oh, <laughs> uh, so anyway, I, I was what's like, your favorite bird though? Sorry. Oh yeah. Call her war. What's your favorite bird? I wonder, I, I would like to know that actually myself, because I feel like there's two ways this could go. Either he obviously definitely has a favorite bird. Mm-hmm. Or it's one of those things where once you get that deep into birds, you don't do favorites anymore. Like, it's like, I don't have a favorite. I, I just like to classify them. Oh, yeah. A swallow. Sorry. Oh, goodness. The Sea of Madness. Oh, God. Welcome to my Friday evenings. More cigar talk. <laughs> Poor Keith. So your favorite bird's a swallow? Oh, oh, did, you were saying what he said. Yes. Oh, stop reading the chat, Michelle. Sorry, See, I get confused. 
<laughs> and then he put, and no, not a euphemism. I'm British, and that's where they rule. That makes sense. Oh, Parker Woodley said, Michelle. Hi. 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 <laughs> I wanted to give it the right energy because it was very energetic yeah. statement. Is that a friend of yours? I hope so. <laughs> I almost spit lime Topo Chico all over my computer on that one. Thank you, Michelle. You're welcome. My goodness. So, <clears throat> but no, so I guess to go back to my, um, <laughs> Parker Woodley said, nope, I'm an enemy. I <laughs> I finally found her. Oh. Oh, man. Oh, and they're on Twitch. Mm-hmm. You have an enemy on Twitch. Yay. <laughs> I like how Caller of War said, hello, fellow Twitcher, Parker Woodley. They're going to like form a little subsection now because it's like, whoa, two concurrent viewers on Twitch. My account's going to like explode when I get my email that tells me how the stream went. Yeah. It's just going to catch on fire. It's going to be like, whoa, you've never had this many Twitch viewers at once. <laughs> two. I streamed a Twitch like almost like a... Uh, like, I just have to. Like, it's required by law. It's like, well, if you're going to be live on multiple platforms, you got to throw something to Twitch. So I do. But, uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I thank you for watching, tuning in, hanging out. Uh, yeah, Caller War, 100% increase. You can't argue with numbers like that, kids. You just can't. Uh, Shonem said, I was trying to find the Twitch channel without asking for it, but Google and other avenues are coming up blank. Uh, that's because... When I started my Twitch account, I named it Campfire Henny for the Uncle Henny's Campfire Stories and then didn't really, I ended up stopping doing that, that series because it was just, woof, it was just too much. Um, Isis Chen, she just said, hi guys, good luck with your diet. I'm on a diet too. Thank you so much. I'm just not eating animal products regularly. It's like a once a week type deal. I'll eat some meat and cheese or whatever, and I'm avoiding uh, I'm avoiding, uh, wheat, you know, I'm just eating like whole grains at like, you know, oats and corn and stuff like that. So, and I'm trying to limit the amount of oil I use to like one serving of oil a day. So, yeah. uh, this is not as intense as the other times I, 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 I've, I mean, I once lost, uh, by being really intense when I was mentally in a place where I didn't have to eat for joy all the time. <laughs> I, I remember I lost, I lost, it was a uh, 85 pounds in three months. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And then my gallbladder was like, nope. And, <laughs> and my gallbladder died on me and killed me. Um, <laughs> Parker Woodley said no meat, wheat or oil, just eating grass at that point. I mean, you're not far off. Um, what, what? I don't think that humans can eat grass, but I'm now I'm not sure. And well, I want to find corn out. Corn is grass. So. Uh, Caller of War said, no, mate, just drop sugar. Sugar is the devil. I am not eating processed sugar either. Um, I'll eat fruit and stuff, but that's it. Oh, and a Caller of War said, I'm vegan, by the way. I'm pretty much, I'm like what we call like flex vegan, fair weather vegan. I'll, I'll, I'm like, my goal is for 90% of my everything to be vegan. You know, 90%. <clears throat> Isis said, good. Coconut oil is good. Wow. I wish I could lose weight fast. I mean, Isis, if you want to do what I did to lose weight that fast, it wasn't dangerous or unhealthy. Um, <laughs> call her more flexitarian smiley face. But how I lost the weight was not dangerous. The reason my gallbladder was shot was not because I lost the weight so fast. It was because I had so much weight to lose. So, I, I mean, 
if I had lost the weight slower, it's possible that it would have taken 15 years for me to get those kidney, not kidney stones, the gallstones instead of so quickly. But they were there and I was prone to them and losing weight so fast just caused them to ramp up production. So if you want to lose weight that fast, I mean, I can, I can tell you the, the, the trick. It's really not that hard, except that you have to do it. That's the hard part. Or you just be like Michelle and be fucking perfect. Uh, <laughs> showed him I am next level vegan. I only eat vegan animals. Well played. Oh, so what, what was it, Michelle? A lot of animals that we thought were herbivores actually sometimes consume meat just because <gasps> why not? Because they're fascists. Yeah. Yeah. But no, there's like people have seen like deers eating like dead animals. <laughs> I thought you were going to be like deers eating like Burger King and the <laughs> wrapper on the burger was definitely not the impossible one. Yeah, it was actually before that, so we know for sure. <laughs> I remember one of my earliest memories of my childhood was seeing a beautiful deer out in the lake eating a McDLT. Yeah. Do you remember the McDLT? I mean, kind of. No, you don't. No, I remember it existing. Okay, I, I'm happy about that. Uh, <laughs> um, So, real quick, before I get... <laughs> further off topic on that i did want to say something to parker woodley no meat wheat or oil just eating grass pretty much i mean it's like i'm eating corn and beans see this is one of the bonuses of being of you know loving uh he eating like hispanic food all the time is that like hispanic food especially mexican food stuff hispanic food and indian food are like really easy to vet vegan veganize like they're really easy like you ditch two ingredients and they're vegan now and they're basically the same don't get me wrong, though. I'm not going to pretend that like, oh, yeah, when I eat beans and rice with, the, you know, just the beans and the rice and the corn and a little bit of pepper and hot sauce. I'm not going to pretend that that is like as good as when it's like slathered in fucking sour cream and stuff. I'm, dro I'm, my, I'm drooling now. I have not eaten Aww. yet today. I, well, that's the other thing that I'm doing. I'm, I'm finally getting ready to start my intermittent fasting because I'm actually feeling fine at 3 p.m. So that's a really good sign for how if you guys want to know. So I don't want to. <laughs> Sorry. Caller of said, yeah, man, I saw a badger at KFC. Uh, if you guys want to know how bad my diet was, one day of eating well actually made me feel better the next day. I've done these kinds of extreme vegan diets with like no fat, no oil, no, you know, whatever. I've done them before and it took like a week to feel like, like, wow, this is changing me this time mm -hmm. around. It took a day and I was like, hey. I already feel better. I was wow. embarrassed to be honest. I was like, oh man, I, I'm a emotional eater. And in 2020 I was eating like, well, the, that was the worst because it was exactly the way eating too much works for me in 2020. It was like, oh, we're locked down, but it's only going to be for like two weeks. I'm like, well, if it's only for two weeks, pizza, Chinese food and tacos forever, whatever. Like, it's great. And they'd be like, okay, it's only going to go one more week. And you're like, okay, one more week of taco. And then before you know it, I'm just like, I gained like 35 pounds because I ate like 87 pizzas because it never, the lockdown never ended. Like it just went on forever. So that was like, and, and when I would try to like reset my diet, I was just like, I have too much stress. I'm just going to eat uh, and eat and eat and eat. So <laughs> color four. No eating for me, man. It's all about the red nectar. 
<laughs> that reminds me of the Simpsons when uh, Krusty the Clown, uh, all the electronics turn on everybody, and Krusty the Clown has a pacemaker. He's like, ah, my pacemaker's malfunctioning. It's stuck on the hummingbird. Hummingbird. I have to drink. <laughs> and he's just like floating around. He's like, I have to drink my weight and nectar. I have to drink my weight and nectar. And then he falls down dead. <laughs> so um, I hate to do this, but I have to. We have to watch the Mc, the McDLT commercial. Oh, wow, that's a horrible quality. Can I find it looking better than that? Yes, I can. So uh, the McDLT commercial is extra famous because Jason Alexander is in it. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, dear. Okay. Sorry, caller of war. That's how I'm a teetotaler. And that's how pathetic I am. You meant I struggle with wine, not food. I totally I, missed that. I, I understood, but then I thought that maybe I was crazy. So. <laughs> I also thought maybe you were just making a play on how like in how like into birds you are. That's why I thought it was that's why I thought that was the joke he was making. But no, he was he was actually just being very human and honest with us, and we just like laughed and referenced the Simpsons, which is basically all I'm capable of doing anyway. So but real quick before we talk some more, I, I we need to watch this Nick DLT video. Okay. So hopefully it's not too loud. Here we go. Hey, you say you're getting tired of lettuce and tomato hamburgers in this town that don't quite make it? Yeah! You say that just once you'd like your hamburger hot and your lettuce and tomato cool and crisp yeah. at the same time? Yeah! I love how it's, well, it's, it's George Costanza before he was McDonald's George Costanza. Lettuce and tomato hamburger, the McDLT! The McDLT! It's not a terrible idea, and I, I mean, I like the idea of, of having more styrofoam garbage. But everything else about it, I don't like. I think the people in this commercial are just so happy, I wish I was as happy as anyone in any given commercial. What about, like, the ones about medicine for depression? They're so happy at the end of that commercial. Are you kidding? They're not happy. They're like, now I can kind of manage slightly better. (laughs) Now I can acknowledge my child. So does that make you want a McDLT? Um, it makes me really not want to be in this time period anymore. <laughs> you want to be back in the 80s? Yeah. When all those people were just like, hey, gang, who wants a McDLT? And who doesn't know what AIDS is? Da, 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 yeah, da. That's pretty exactly. much it. You know they were all on cocaine. That's why they're so happy. Only probably like half of them. And then the other ones were like, I'm cool too. I'm going to pretend that I'm happy. <laughs> I'm going to pretend I can afford cocaine. Do, 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 do. <laughs> oh, goodness. Caller of war. Uh, I'm glad he said LOL, by the way, to our terrible reading of his message. He said, never seen a McDonald's like that. I've seen bigger Oreos than McDonald's hamburgers. Homie, you're in England. In America... Uh, it's not hard to be big and fat because of the serving. The serving sizes are tough. But you know what the funny thing is? That people will be like, well, with serving sizes like this, you know, how can you expect not to get fat? It's like, well, there's no law that says you can't cut it in half and throw half away or keep half for later. Yeah. I mean, maybe there is in, in Tennessee, but not in general, like not a federal law. So <laughs> I don't know why. Tennessee, you're, you're on my shit list today. Yeah, I don't know why. Don't I've know. always loved visiting you. But you're on the list today. <laughs> when was the last time you had fast food, Michelle? I don't know. What What is your your definition of fast food? Um, from like a fast food restaurant, like a McDonald's or Burger King or a Chick Fil A or a uh, 
Caller of War just said, what happens in Tennessee stays in Tennessee. Um, that's my addition, stays in Tennessee. But no, like, when is the last time you ate food at a, a fast food restaurant? Oh. oh, one time I went to Dunkin' Donuts and I got their, like, little, like, fake sausage thing because everyone was like, oh, the plant based really one? Good. Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty so good. I went there and it was so scary because I. <laughs> I went in the drive-thru and they just like gave it to me. And I was like, did you guys not cook this? Like what happened? <laughs> You're like, it's so fast. You're literally like the people, like the people in that, in that, remember that movie I showed you the founder about McDonald's, mm-hmm. how, how they'd be like, here's your food. He'd be like, what? And they'd be like, your food. He'd be like, that can't be. I just ordered it. And like, and now here it is. It was like, but, uh, but I just ordered it. Yeah. And it's done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that exactly, was you. Exactly what happened. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. I, I remember that time that I really wanted to get us ice cream. So we yeah. went to McDonald's and you immediately dropped the, your ice cream cone, like down the side of your car or the outside of your car. And the lady was like, let me get you another one. <laughs> you were just like, this is why I never do anything or leave. Uh, yeah. That's pretty much what you said. <laughs> yeah. I was like, damn it, Michelle, we're screwing up getting a McDonald's ice cream cone to celebrate having a nice summer day. Yeah. We're doing such a bad job. Everything we're doing, poor, poorly done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> Gosh, I'm sorry, Michelle. But wait, so when was that? When was that? That would have been recent, right? Yeah, it was maybe in either. Is like maybe in 2020. Whoa, you went to a drive-through in 2020. Maybe 2019. That doesn't sound like you. Okay, that sounds yeah, like Yeah, because I, the, the, uh, Duncan, I guess, but it was a Dunkin' Donuts back then, maybe. Um, that I went to, uh, like ever since things have been like they are now, they have this crazy every time I'm in that, in that, um, strip mall, like the line for their drive through is like 20, 30 cars. All yeah. So it was definitely before that because I wouldn't have gone in that line. I feel like the first fate, fake meat, um, I don't want to say craze, but you know, the first fake meat rollout that started with the Whopper and everything. I feel like that was in 2018 or 2019. Yeah. I guess I, I'm trying to remember like why I was over there. Cause I mean, that's where the Aldi is, but I don't know why, like what meal was that? Like, was I coming home from something? I don't remember. So. Inquiring minds need to know this. So Michelle, this is a question for you. Caller of War said, how did you two meet? I feel like. It's important. I'm going to leave that up. Actually, it's important that you answer this question now because I usually answer this question uh, when, um, the few times we've talked about it on the show. Oh, so I, I will start with that. I am in Ohio and Michelle is in Pennsylvania in yeah. Philadelphia adjacent Pennsylvania. Yeah. So uh, go on, Michelle. Tell the story of how we met. We met on the Internet. Basically. That's not really. That's accurate. how I That's... met you. <laughs> I didn't have a cool we had story. Mutual, we had mutual IRL friends. Yeah, but I didn't meet you through them. <laughs> I'm not real. Yeah, they told. Not... They just told me to write you. They, wait, wait. Those pricks. They said that they were like, "Oh, we'll tell Michelle that you know you're a good friend. Like we want to like, and that you're gonna say hi." Maybe they did, but I still <laughs> met you on the internet. <clears throat> on MySpace. Yeah. That, Sorry, that's my how we boom met. Arms acting weird. Um, so that's, that's, so I'm trying to, did the first time we meet in person, did I drive to your house in central Jersey? Was that the first time we met? 
Uh, I think so. Yeah. No. Yes. Because I know one time you came over and I made a spaghetti. Yeah, I could have. That could have been the first time. Actually, you went to a there's a guy from the internet's house. Like, <laughs> well, I did know people that he knew, so it's not like. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good. They were like, he won't kill you. But uh. <laughs> yeah, maybe I, we. I don't know. I feel which like one the was first. I can't. Re- I can't remember which one was the first one. Uh oh! Now it's getting uh. Now it's getting dangerous. Grave Rob said, MySpace, wow, was she in your top eight friends? You were on my top eight. You were in mine too, but I don't remember anyone else. Well, you had seven friends total, so it worked out. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Um, Thank you, Caller of War. He's like, it seems memorable for you, Michelle. (laughs) I was introduced to Michelle because my buddy at the time, Josh... Uh, his girlfriend worked with you at Hot Topic mm-hmm. and they were just like, you need to meet Michelle cause she's a weirdo and you're a weirdo. So weirdos are supposed to meet. That's what weirdos do. Yeah. So then they played me sidewalks, your album, which, uh, you can find Michelle's albums at everyone except me dot bandcamp.com except it's except not accept like, like love me, but everyone other than me. Everyone except me. Mm-hmm. You should call everyone other than me. That would have been easier. No, because people already say that and stuff. <laughs> Everybody but me. Uh-oh. David DeNoyer just jumped in. Michelle, do you have any worthwhile hot topic stories? Um, I mean, probably. It's not <laughs> like it was that cool. People stole from us. Like, they were kids. There was a lady who... Who would not leave because I refused to give her um, the sale price because she had already bought something weeks before. And she was like, I wanted to get the sale price on this. And I was like, we don't do that. And she like wouldn't leave. And then nobody backed me up. And I was really sad. And I tried to get help and no one would help me. And it was bad. Um, but the one thing I really remember, which is really strange, but I guess speaks to me as a person, <laughs> is there was a in the back of the hot topic like i don't i think it was like in the bathroom there was a drain on the floor and it started to smell like sewer and Uh, everyone's like oh no what are we gonna do and i was like i can fix it you just pour the water down the hole and it'll stop smelling but i didn't know why and now i know why why is that because there's a trap down there somewhere and the the water in the trap had just dried up because we don't Uh. put water down there ever so that's it. I'm done. Uh, let's see. Caller of War said like a gravitational force for cool people. Yeah, let's call us cool people. Uh, uh, David Denoyer said, did Hot Topic prosecute shoplifters? I don't know. You don't know? I didn't catch any. I just know that people stole from us. I, it would be like, we'd have like these hit and run shoplifters where they'd like come and they'd like, take all the stuff in the front of the store and be gone before anyone even noticed. We is not oh, a great area. When I was working at Spencer's Gifts, which is basically like the mentally challenged cousin of Hot Topic. Um, <laughs> when I worked at Spencer's Gifts, I uh, we prosecuted all shoplifters regardless of the amount, the cost of what they stole. Wow. Are you reading instead of listening? Yeah, but I heard what you Stop said. Stop doing that. It's really hard. Well, just stop. 
Okay, but that's ridiculous in my opinion. Or maybe no it's way, good. no fuck yeah. those people. They were the yeah. my bet my favorite. So my favorite story. I've told this one before, and I may have told it on the show before. Mm-hmm. But my favorite experience at hot at uh not a hot topic <laughs> at, at Spencer's gifts was this kid tried to steal something, a bracelet or something, and we caught him. Mm-hmm. So they detained him. Now he doesn't know that he can just leave. We can't actually hold him. But we tell him like, hey, you stay here until the guy gets here. And they usually yeah. do what you say. Yeah. But when the mall cop gets there, he can detain them. So the mall cop comes and detains him and we call the police to come and take to get this kid. He's probably like 17 or something. And I'm up front at the store folding t-shirts. And his friends that were with him who didn't steal anything are all, but they were traveling with them, are all standing by the entrance, like not in the store, but you know, just outside. And I'm folding and they're like, uh, excuse me. And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, how long is this going to take? And I'm like, I don't know as long as it takes for the police to get here. And he was like, whoa, you're calling the police. And I was like, yes, he stole something and that's a crime. So the police are going to come and take him. And they were like, well, well, he's, he's our ride. And I'm like, not even remotely my problem. Like I get a better friend. So, (laughs) so that's my one favorite, uh, Spencer story, but I caught, I wasn't allowed to catch shoplifters. Only supervisors and management can catch shoplifters. But what Mm -hmm. I could do is be like, I'm pretty sure I saw that guy take something. And then they would follow him and watch until they can confirm it. And they never, they were never wrong. Because they never said, excuse me, what's in your pocket? Unless they saw it happen. Yeah. Yeah. So they were never wrong, which was nice. Um, And uh, corporate Spencers would pay your uh, hourly rate for you to go to court to testify against them. Cool. Yeah. Craig Cohen says, hey, Henrik, hey, Michelle. So you two both were playing live shows around when you met. Did you guys go to each other's shows or ever join each other on stage? That's not completely accurate. Michelle, It's actually Michelle's fault I ever got on stage for the first time. I'm sorry. Do you remember that? Yes. I hoped you would. Where was that? Where was that place? Was that at Drexel? I think so. Yeah, I think it was the... Yeah. Yeah, Michelle got me to play my first open mic with my ukulele. I think we were it was like three songs a person or something like that, or two songs. Yeah, yeah, it was it was one of those. It kind of depends on the week, so it could have been. It was fun. I was very nervous, and I had fun. So, uh, but I attended Michelle's shows a bunch when Mm -hmm. I lived in Jersey. I saw you at Asbury Park at that vegan cafe that actually never served me my food after they charged me for it. Yeah. Oh, that was a that was a horrible experience. Uh the show was fine, but the the vegan cafe, I was like, I paid like eleven dollars for a sandwich I didn't even want, and then they never gave it to me. Well, at least you didn't get it. At least you since you didn't want it. You just gave you just supported them with your money. I remember thinking on the way home, because on the way home I stopped at like a McDonald's and I was like, I'm getting like a double Big Mac because fuck you, veganism. <laughs> you you think you could mess with me? Um Caller of War said, do you have the concept of a citizen's arrest in the U.S.? We do. It's uh, it's a pretty specific thing, though. Uh, they have to, com- I believe they have to commit a felony uh, for you to use know. citizen's arrest in, in the U.S. But yes, we do have citizen's arrest here and we have guns, which which I enjoy. Um, <laughs> showed them when I worked at Walmart, we basically just watched shoplifters and were told to just watch and follow them till they left. 
that's that's a thing like observe and report not like the movie but like the, the that's a saying observe and report um <clears throat> oh craig that's cool uh craig cohen says i worked at a spencer's too in the mid 90s that would have been peak spencer's time because mm-hmm. that yeah. was when the store was like was like a third sex toys and a third like uh like hot chick posters and a third officially licensed paramount merchandise from star trek because in the 90s spencer's is where i got all of my star trek stuff that's where i got my star trek uniform it's where i got my star trek alarm clock it's where i got my star trek i had a star trek universal remote control that looked like a phaser wow I was so cool. You have you you wouldn't even imagine how many friends I had and how little I was bullied. So I <laughs> I would I would every time we went to the mall I'd be like, "Mom, can we go to Spencer's because they would always seem to have some Star Trek stuff." Um but then they slowly phased it out. I don't know if maybe Paramount had an ownership stake in Spencer's at one point or if they just had a licensing deal that ended. Mm-hmm. I have no idea. Yeah. I would believe either one. Um, if you have any awesome stories, Craig, about working at Spencer's in the mid nineties, I would love to hear them. I worked at Spencer's a whopping grand total of four months, but in that four months, do you remember in that four months, they offered me a supervisor job. (laughs) They were just like, wow, you show up on time. Do you want to be in charge of people? (laughs) And I was just seasonal. I was just seasonal. And, uh. I actually didn't want to quit. I actually liked working at Spencer's. It was kind of fun. My, my, one of my supervisors was a friend from high school. Mm-hmm. So it was like hanging out with like when we only, uh, she and I worked, it was just like, oh man, I run a cool store with my friend Mariah. Like it, that's all it felt like. It didn't feel mm-hmm. like a job job. And, yeah. and, a, and we would often have to like, I think it was Tuesdays and Thursdays after eight or after seven o'clock, it was just two people mm-hmm. for the whole store. So yeah. Often it would just be Mariah and I'd be like, oh man, we're just goofing off and saying stuff. Um, and it was, it was really fun. Uh, but I wanted to stay working there, but the manager just didn't seem to, so I got a better job, but it was part-time just like Spencer's was. And I told them, look, I don't want to quit here, but I can't turn down this job because it was in television, which is my field. <laughs> so I was like, I don't want to quit, but I can't do this. So I'm only working. I think it was like Monday, Tuesday and Thursday. From six to nine, what nice was what was the original hours? So I told him I was like, as long as you book me, book me. Oh my god, I I've become such a fucking filmmaker gig person. I say book as long as you schedule me. Not in those hours, I'll come and work. And every week they would schedule me on one of those days when I couldn't work. And every week I'd be like, you scheduled me on the days I can't work. And they'd be like, Oh, just trade with somebody. And I was like, this isn't worth this. No, this is so annoying. No. I'm making 15 cents above minimum wage, but I don't hate the job. Yeah. So I just quit. Yeah. I, yeah, I get that. I mean, and I felt bad cause I wanted to stay. I was like, Hey, I don't mind, you know, putting in two or three days here. And they made it clear that I was valuable to them. But of course they, they didn't seem to love when they were like, would you like to be a supervisor? And I was like, no, <laughs> So they didn't love that's that. That's okay. I did that. I've done that before too. So <laughs> like, oh, that's okay. That sounds terrible. <laughs> Grave Rob said, when I was younger, I thought that having a job at Spencer's and Blockbuster Video uh, were the luckiest uh, people in the world. I never worked at a video store and people are often surprised by that. <laughs> I never got around to it, but I, I really, I could have, I obviously um, got a job at like Blockbuster. I, from what I heard, Hollywood video was the fun place to work. 
So uh, my buddy Andrew worked at a Blockbuster and a lot of people were like, why'd you go work at Blockbuster? You used to work at a mom and pop shop and that was really cool. And he's like, yeah, but at the mom and pop shop, when you washed your hands in the sink and it gave you pink eye, there was no one to complain to. They would just be like, I don't know, clean the sinks better. And it'd be like, well, it's not my, what? But when you go to Blockbuster, you're like, ah, the bathroom gave me pink eye. They're like, holy shit, what? Like, we'll do something about that. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, Caller of War said, oh man, we need to talk about Picard. So I haven't watched the new season of Picard because oh. I'm a cheapskate. So I'm waiting until the full season is done releasing. Oh, right. Yeah. Cause you gotta get, and then I'm going to watch it all at once. Like I did last time during t- in 2020, but mm-hmm. I loved that first season of Picard. I, I know there were a lot of missteps and a lot of like blown opportunities. It wasn't perfect, but for my Trekkie heart, it made me so happy it made me it made me feel the nostalgia and the love so i let go of the bad parts but it's not i mean it could have been worse it could have been star wars <laughs> sorry i'm not i'm not into modern star wars uh but i'm very 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 into star trek and i was going to give i hate admitting this i was going to give discovery a chance i'm not going to why not because i don't like i I know that shows have politicalness to them Mm -hmm. and discovery has been accused of being very political. That's not why why I'm not watching it. Good. Because I don't, I'm trying to remember the first season, like if it was political or not, but I, so I was like, okay, you know, whatever it's fine, but whatever, Uh, like it's a little political. So I wasn't like dying to see it. Then, on the end of this current season, they literally put a Democrat governor candidate from Georgia as the president of Earth. And she's not an actor or anything. They just cast her because they love her. They love this, like, activist political candidate. And I was like, you know what? I'm just not, I don't, I'm not there for it. I'm sorry. It would be different. It would be different if they were in show business or if they were an actor or something. But she's Mm -hmm. just a politician. And... I don't want to see, I, I want to escape the shitty world of democracy when I watch Star Trek. That's why I watch Star Trek. There's no democracy. It's, it's a beyond democracy concept. That's my opinion. I, I'm sorry. Like, watch, watch a couple of episodes at least. At least, like, have, because I'm not saying that I, like, loved it, but at least have a, like, a, a, a like, a opinion based on evidence. I mean, it's, it's not. What, what's more evidence than that? though it's not anything at all i mean that's a weird choice that that, That doesn't mean the show is bad no but it means that they're showing their political hand they're showing who they support okay but don't you think that everybody that that like everybody has political things yes and if you keep it somewhat um if you keep it smart then it'll actually make a point and interest people and if you don't then it'll alienate people okay but what if but you didn't see it, so you don't know when it did. I mean, I know that she was in it. If they cast Donald Trump, I'd be like, oh, fuck this show. Like, why would you cast somebody so so polarizing? Okay. It would be it would be different. I've told you. It would be different if she was an actress turned politician. Mm-hmm. Like, if she would actually have been cast regardless. But she was cast specifically because she's an activist. So I was like, you know what? I don't... I might watch, like, an episode when I get my thing. Just... Just like give it a shot, just just so you can have enough for an a, like an actual opinion based on the show and not based on like the politics of the them supporting a very show. specific political movement. 
yeah. I'm I'm sorry. Like they're no, just. I, I I told you it wasn't the per it wasn't a perfect reason, but I I just it just checked me out because I used to love subversive content, mm-hmm. and lots of people like subversive content content that makes you think, but not when it just beats you over the head. <laughs> that's that's why I've just I've become burnt out on it. Okay, but you haven't seen it, so you don't know if it does. <laughs> I understand what you're saying, but I but all I'm saying is they showed their hands so heavily that it's making me resistant. Okay. That's all I'm saying. All right. Um, but uh, Caller of War said, yeah, true Trekker here, not a Star Horsian. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Um, Shonem said, I felt like Picard was a horrible bastardization of the spirit of Star Trek, but I'm a diehard old fan. Um, I don't know, because I got really into DS9, uh, where they were they were allowing it to get a little dark. So, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, maybe, I, but I mean, I will say there were plenty of problems with Picard. Um, but overall I liked a lot of what they did, but they also made it really dark and really sad. So that is not the funnest thing in the world. Um, yeah, Grave- dark, sad stuff. Grave Rob said, see, uh, Picard season two is getting political as well. I don't want to tell you the plot, but it goes there. Eh, I'll give it a shot. Uh, Zip Hansel so- mentioned, uh, mentioned, I heard about Stacey Abrams. That's who it was. Stacey Abrams was the name of the lady. Oh. Um, uh, color of, of war said as a trekker, I watch and support all Trek. That's fair. I, do regret not watching Enterprise when it was on the air, but I had no reason not to. I just didn't for some stupid, like there was no reason. I just never got around to it. And it was good. It was really good. I watched it, you know, 15, 10 years later and it was great. Mm-hmm. I love Enterprise. Um, Zip Hansel makes me sad and I agree. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. So that's one for me, Michelle. Um, I, this is a competition. So welcome to the democracy. I- Everybody seems to love so much. <laughs> No, you're not wrong, Michelle. I should watch a couple episodes so that I can see if it's awful. Um, yeah, exactly. Uh, Grave Rob said, Star Trek is supposed to be about a show about hope. It's supposed to be a show that, uh, that it's supposed to show us that the future is bright and that we've moved past all this modern day political crap. I do agree. I don't agree. Um, you don't agree that they should be pushing, they, that it's not about pushing modern day political crap? Uh, um, no, but I, no, no, no but like, oh. I, I mean... I, I I mean, I think in Star Trek, Earth has kind of moved past all that, but you see that happening with other alien things, and you see that happening between well, and those not, people on Earth, the Earthicans. Yeah. Well, and, and Earthicans. Well, I'm never going to deny Star Trek it was not ever political. Yeah. But it was... it they. My problem with the way polit- things are political now, a lot of the time, is that it's not subtle, it's not... Uh, it's not to help the story. It's to be an activist and not to be a storyteller. You can do both. Uh, Gene Roddenberry was an incredible, was incredible at doing both at, at having a very progressive political ideology that he stood by Mm -hmm. and also making a show that made you see his good points and didn't make you feel like you were being talked down to or preached to. Um, George Romero, same way. I mean, Night of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead, Day of the Dead. Those movies didn't feel preachy, even though they had very strong political undertones, some of which I completely and utterly disagree with, but they're my favorite movies of all time. Mm-hmm. So that's, you know, I don't know. It, I, I'm a bad person and I should have never brought, I should have never spoke about this, except now everybody's engaged like heavily. <laughs> um, Craig Cohen uh, got back to us about Spencer. He said, yes, worked at Spencer's and Franklin Mills Mall. Excuse me, Franklin Mills Mall, now called Philadelphia Mills, and a shop called The Perfect World, 
on South Street, which was just like a Spencer's, sold lots of trippy type items to stoners, loved all the Star Trek items and Doctor Who. Uh, oh, yeah, they added to stoners. <laughs> uh, Cohen said, uh, Picard season one was great, just rushed the ending a lot. Yes, I agree wholeheartedly. Um, when they kind of established the end of Picard, I felt like I had missed a whole episode by some of the character changes they had happen. They just felt like they weren't, they hadn't prepped for them yet. Like they just kind of made that decision. Like, and we're going to end with everybody like this. And that was it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like there was, um, like there was some missing frames kind of between. One of the weirdest ones that really bugged me was they had seven of nine and forgive me. I don't remember all the character names. They had seven of nine. And one of the female pilot characters or one of the female people from the ship, like they had them like embrace and like kiss or, or hug. They showed that they were romantically involved, uh-huh. but I, I never heard them talk to each other <laughs> like until oh. they revealed them in love. So it just annoyed me because I was like, um, do you think we could watch them fall in love, please? Like, I would like that. That would be interesting. Not just like it just the problem is then it felt like it was for the sake of it. It was like, no, we're just doing it for the sake of a, of like a lesbian relationship being shoehorned at the end. It's like, no, you could milk so many great episodes out of building up that they're in love with each other. And instead you just have them fucking embrace like that for what, for what? Yeah. For, you know, it just was bad storytelling. Um, call of war said really modern Trek is a little dark if I'm honest, but again, I support all Trek. That's fair. Um, Okay, Shonam said, DS9 got dark, but it was sort of an exploration of paradise forced into war. Picard is a show which acts like paradise was always shit and sucked and makes the Federation look evil at its core. You're not wrong. It's it's extremely dark. But DS9 did make did make them look pretty dark at times, especially with, um I think it was Section 41 or Section 31, um, the, the secret organization that the Federation founded to just, like, assassinate people to keep the peace. Oh, yay. Um, who don't answer to the Federation at all. They're just in the charter. There's like one little thing that says section 31 or whatever will never be infringed or whatever. And that's it. Um, but I agree uh, that Picard's like super duper dark. I feel like I can appreciate that. They feel like maybe they did everything they could with, with Trek, Trek kind of being a perfect world. So they gave it like a little bit of dire consequence, but I do agree. I mean, luckily it doesn't paint the old Trek bad. You know, you can still watch the old Trek. Um, Grave Rob said the Orville is a better Star Trek show than Star Trek is. I've heard that and I've wanted to watch the Orville. I've heard it's really good, it but I never got like, around to it. Fine. <laughs> Did you watch both seasons? No, I watched some episodes and then went, okay, that's enough. You need to watch all of them if you're going to have an opinion. Hey, that is not what I said. You haven't watched <laughs> one episode of Star Trek, whatever the hell that Star Trek is. <laughs> I'm evil. Uh, Shonam said the Orville is good, but the first season is real hit or miss, which in and of itself is very Star Trek of it. That's a fair point. That's a really fair point. Um, and then uh, Caller of War said, I love Star Trek because it shows how socialism could work. Perhaps, perhaps controversial in America. I don't know that it can show how socialism can work because they don't seize the means of anything. Uh, Star Trek is a world where you don't need socialism because there is basically no scarcity. You don't need economics if there's no economy. When you can, uh, when you have a machine that provides an infinite amount of energy and can turn energy into matter, what is your economics? W- where is the economics? The idea that it's socialism, like how much tax do they pay? They don't pay tax because they don't have money because there's no value inherent in certain things except like dilithium crystals. So the only things that become valuable are the things that cannot be 
replicated. That's why in Deep Space Nine they established latinum, gold gold plated latinum. Which Michelle, I don't know if you remember gold plated latinum. Latinum is a is a liquid metal that cannot be um, replicated. So therefore, it's used as money in trading posts and stuff like that. It's not an official money. It's a money for traders and people who do that stuff. Mm-hmm. But my favorite thing about latinum is they, it comes in strips, slips, and bars. You know, like those are the denominations. Mm-hmm. And at one point, one of the Ferengi characters, he loves latinum because, you know, they're obsessed with money. He's holding his latinum and he's like, isn't it amazing to think that pressed between these two pieces of worthless gold is the most valuable <laughs> commodity in the universe (laughs) like they actually put it in gold to make it solid because gold is worth nothing Mm -hmm. which i think is is hilarious Uh, and i love it oh god zip hansel said preach i'm gonna not preach i gotta be careful um david neuer said can we keep this conversation on hard rock zombies i couldn't we can't talk about hard rock zombies i'd have to show michelle hard rock zombies and then we wouldn't have a friendship anymore uh, <laughs> oh, hey, th- hey, Caitlin Gray. Thank you. She said, hi, guys. Hope you're all well. We're pretty good. Um, Star Trek, they turned the Abrams movies into a TV series. Oh, my God. You get out of here, Keith. Get out of here. Uh, Caller of War said, uh, you are speaking of socialism in a purely economic sense only. Well, if I don't speak about an economic sense, then I have to speak about it in a governmental sense. And then that's just the mass execution of human life whenever it's convenient to the masses. That's how I feel about socialism. <laughs> Like if we're going to talk about it governmentally and not, and not just economically, then it's just, it's like a history of tons and tons of intentional and unintentional murder. So I'm sorry. That's how I feel about socialism. And if you don't like it, I mean, I'm a capitalist. That's, that's who I am. I don't believe that if you are a socialist, you're standing here going like, Oh boy, I can't wait for everybody to die. I don't feel like you're that way at all. I think you have, Um, the best of intentions at heart and you believe that it would really help. I simply disagree. That's all. I simply disagree. I'm an anarchist. I believe there is no government like no government. And I believe that uh, in the history of the world, no government has actually cared about its people enough to do anything in their own best interest and the people's best interest. They'll tell you it's your own best interest. They'll do all kinds of things, but governments have always been corrupt and they've always manipulated people. Whether it's in the old world or the new world. They do that. So I think that the best thing you can have is the least amount of government humanly possible. Ideally, none at all. And I think that all everything we do in life should be voluntary, even though it's impossible for it to be that way. That's what I think is, is, is true. So uh, Zip Hansel said, uh, I need to see Hard Rock Zombies. You're, cor- you're correct. You do. Uh, Caller of War said, I totally disagree. Sorry, that's okay. Lots of people disagree with me. And dude, I'm in show business. Everybody has uh, some opinions more similar to yours, although I'm not trying to put words in your mouth. I don't know your full opinion about this. But like most of the people I know are much more left politically than I am. So um, I appreciate Zip saying you're right. Thanks. But I, I mean, it's not a competition. I know I'm right. I'm right not because I'm correct, but because I'm handsome. Uh, <laughs> caller of war said, and I respect your opinion. Of course, capitalism is a cancer on people. That is my belief. That's no problem because I have a friend who lived in Canada and literally his wife had to get her cancer cut out in a capitalist hospital because they would make her wait seven months. So <laughs> sorry. It's when people use cancer, I'm always like, ah, cause I have that one, that one time that happened and that was really scary. Now it's not a hundred percent that, that they were, that Canada has a terrible healthcare system. All of her aftercare was handled in Canada and it was totally free. 
But when she went to an American doctor for a second opinion and they said, how long should it be until I have my, my cancer or my tumor removed? They were like, well, we wouldn't recommend any more than two or three days. And she was like, oh, I was told a half a year. And they were like, no, 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 let's cut that out. Like right now. So, (laughs) uh, grave Rob said, has Michelle ever been in one of your movies? If not, will she ever be? Michelle has had uncredited voice roles in several of my movies. I have, yeah. Um, but I don't, I don't, Michelle, do you want to act in front of a camera? Um, I don't care. Um, Caller of War, I will say you said, sure, mate, but she had to pay $200,000 for the benefit. I mean, first of all, what is the cost of human life? Socialists are very good at determining what the cost of human life is, by the way. Um, they're, they're happy to be like, oh man, it's going to be $18,000. Let's just starve them. But, uh... <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm being extra bullying caller of war. You're being like such a a good dude. And I really don't believe that you're like evil because you disagree with me about this at all. I think you really believe that this is the best thing for people. And I really believe you're wrong. And that's really as deep as it goes. I don't believe that you're evil or that you think that it would be. I think if you, if you, if you felt the way I did about socialism, you would not believe in it. You know, does that make sense? Like, I think if you thought socialism was, was it was all about like killing everybody. You wouldn't be into it is what I was getting at. Um, but she paid $20,000 for the benefit and there are no debtors prisons in America. So you can be as in as much medical debt as you want and no one's ever going to arrest you. And when I had my surgery, no, Michelle, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> what were you going to say? <laughs> no, you can, you can finish up your oh, thought. When I had my surgery without health insurance here, it was actually cheaper than having insurance. I mean, it was, it was, I was actually cheaper because I was allowed to shop around and price shop for my surgery. Um, so it was, it was a lot cheaper than it would have been. And I, and the hospital even told me when I was negotiating my price lower that they would never refuse me service due to lack of ability to pay. So there you go. Anyway, you were going to say something. I really want you to say something because well, I'm, I'm talking say, about stuff I usually don't talk about on the yeah, show Yeah, which I'm not going to talk about because <laughs> I still don't want to talk about I, it. Everybody's just being so nice and friendly and I'm enjoying the conversation. Okay. I mean, no, I am though. Cause caller of war is being like the coolest guy about talking about things we disagree about. Mm-hmm. He's being so nice. And I was so afraid he was going to be like, whatever out. And I would be like, you know, I can't blame you for just piecing out, but I would have been bummed. What were you going to say? Oh, I was just going to say about, um, uh, the, the cost of, uh, cancer treatment, I guess the surgery, mm-hmm. um, um, it, it's, it's not a, it's definitely not a, um, like one of them is, one of them is no money and one of them is some money. So one of them is better because, you know, like she had to wait in Canada if she was going to get the surgery, which isn't actually a good thing for cancer. You don't actually want to wait and let your can- cancer get worse and possibly metas- metastasize and, yeah. and all that stuff. So like, I'm not saying I'm actually just not going to, you know, say either is better, but I think that like, it's, you're you're talking about like a catch 22 here. You're talking about either, either you pay and you do it now or you don't pay and you get it later. Like there's, there are consequences both ways. Neither of them are actually a really good, great situation to be in. Well, and if I, absolutely. And, And if I would, if I may say, uh, when I, my, my opposition to universal healthcare is down to the fact that I, that I think some people feel like we can just vote to end human suffering and, and premature death and stuff. We can't, no matter what system we have, people are going to slip through the cracks and they're going to die and it's awful. Yeah. That's, that's a, that's just a true element of all of it. 
People are going to slip through cracks and they're going to die. And I hate it. And I do believe to go back to Star Trek, I do believe that one day we'll reach a point where, uh, where we have a, what's called abundance, where we have plenty of everything because of technological advancements and economy and economics will become very, very different. Um, and it'll become a point where once scarcity has been eliminated, that's what Star Trek is about, by the way, when earth joins the, 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 the universe, the galaxy, whatever you want to call it, when earth uh, leaves its realm, all scarcity disappears. Therefore war and hunger and famine and everything just ends. That's literally the story of Zephram Cochran is that once the Vulcans landed on earth, they were like, Hey, you want to, you want to, let's show you what the galaxy is all about. And then all of a sudden it was like, Oh, you guys need Tannerite. We have Tannerite everywhere. Cause it's everywhere in space. And Oh, you need, you know, whatever we have all of it. So that's, that's really important. Um, caller of war said, uh, I'm not man, nor do I believe you are evil either. Thank you. Uh, I pay 1000 quid. Is it quid and uh, plus in taxes? And it goes to people who can't afford healthcare and dentistry. I'm going to call bullshit that anybody's getting dentistry. Sorry, old, old, bad joke about England. Um, <laughs> dentistry is also uh, relatively affordable um, unless you need like severe things. But um, I walk around proud, proud. These people are looked after. That's great. Um, it is still through theft that they're taking care of. Um, but that's a whole other thing is that uh, the idea of taxation is is a moral judgment. Um, Keith Tomlin said, you always pay. <laughs> Zip Hansel said, you, uh, I've got to get back to work. Everyone have a great day. You guys are the best. Thanks, Zip. You're a sweetheart. Appreciate you, man. Um, uh, Caller of War, nobody here in the UK has refused healthcare when they are in need. I'm very proud of that. In America, people are not actually refused healthcare the way that it's depicted. Um, it's just not true. I'm, I'm being dead serious as somebody who I make my living as an independent filmmaker and I don't make enough money to be able to afford insurance and I don't make enough money to be on Medicaid. They don't refuse you because you can't pay. Not on a life-saving procedure. Ever. The, uh, a lot of people will refuse to go to the doctor because they believe they can't afford it and they believe that it will bankrupt them. But there's no debtor's prisons. You don't go to prison for not paying your bills. Not in America. So the penalty of debt to live, I can handle. I can handle it. But I see what you're saying. I guess if I didn't think that taxes were immoral, it would be a little bit easier to be on board. Like if it was voluntary, if we could all choose to pay, uh, you know, a certain amount of money to cover everybody, I would feel a little bit more comfortable with it. Also, our market, our market-based medical system is one of the leaders in the world of innovation because there's a profit potential which is really important to point out. Michelle, you say something. I don't want to. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, this has been a nice conversation though. I don't usually talk about anything even vaguely political. And I just was like, I don't know. I was feeling all right today. I actually had a really long day and a really not great day. And I actually feel better now because I got to hang out with everybody and talk. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, oh, sure. Your stance is the reason USA exists. Tea Party and all that. It's true. We threw a lot of what was probably excellent tea into that harbor, but it proved a point. Probably a very important really point. It probably that, that. Oh, man, that that harbor was a delicious. Um, yeah. uh, not wanting to pay taxes in American dream. We don't want to pay taxes and we don't want any goddamn kings or queens. That's that's really what we what we're we're all about. Uh, <laughs> it's Americans. But the point I'm not even that big of a of a nationalist for America. Uh, I, I just, I like that we have a lower amount of interference in our lives, but it's still plenty. 
So anyway, um, I also like that we take more immigrants than basically anywhere. Um, a lot of nations like Canada and stuff like that, they have an amount of money you have to make minimum before you're allowed to immigrate there and stuff like that. And that always ticked me off, always bothered yeah. me. But, uh, but that's, you know, too many, uh, too many, uh, you know, too many uh, immigrants in the family, I guess. Uh, but uh, in my family, I mean, uh, yeah, Keith mentioned Americans fund most of the drug research of the world. That's true. Uh, we fund most of a lot of everything because we just have such a massive economy. Um, oh, and uh, uh, caller of war said, I'm with you on the ladder. Oddly enough, I'm a Republican. Huh? I don't I, I, I have to claim ignorance towards what a Republican is in the United Kingdom. Um. I'm assuming it's vaguely similar. It's probably like a, a, a British kind of conservatism, maybe. Um, oh, he said unusual for a British person. Fair enough. Uh, Craig Cohen said, it seems like capitalist countries make uh, more great creative movies and many socialist and communist countries make less uh, and buy those films. Oh, okay. Anti, uh, that made sense by the way, Craig. Thank you. And he said, Republican equals anti-monarchist. Oh, okay, cool. No, I'm, I, and that's awesome. Good for you. I hate the idea of royalty so much. So goddamn much. I hate it. Um, socialist countries have made interesting art in the past, but market driven economies do make lots and lots and lots of, of art, especially nowadays. Cause it used to be if you wanted to be an artist and make good money, you had to have like a wealthy benefactor, you know, like that would hire you to paint chapels or, or play music for them or be in an orchestra. But now it's like, no, a million poor people can pay a dollar each to buy your song. And then you're rich. I like that. I, and that's a technological change involving the, the free market. That's not, you know, Oh, well, okay. That's the obvious one, Keith. I wasn't going to go there, but Keith had to say, he said less freedom of speech. That is one of the reasons that, um, market economies tend to have more art than planned economies is because freedom of speech exists. I'm sorry, Michelle, that you're my friend and that you had to be a part of this. No, it's okay. But, uh, we should wrap it up. It is getting a little late and I need to, I need to eat and, um, and stuff, but, uh, this was fun. I did enjoy it. I'm glad that we mostly talked about star Trek. Um, I'm sorry. I went, I, I, I'm a crazy, I'm a nut. I am. I'm a crazy person. I don't usually talk about any of this stuff because I am insane. And, uh, <laughs> most of my friends would agree, but, uh, you've all been awesome. I had a really good time. Um, Michelle, why don't you close us out with, uh, your, your, uh, best example of what would make the world perfect. I don't think the world's going to be perfect ever. I think things are just going to get worse forever. <laughs> they're not getting worse. They're getting better. No. Human suffering is at the lowest it's ever been in human history. Starvation yeah. is at the lowest it's ever been in human history. I think the world is just about sadness. So. A funny sadness. Yes. Sad sadness. Most of the time. Um, <laughs> uh, Caller of War said, thank you for the chat. You are both lovely as always. You are too, man. Sincerely. I hope you have an awesome day. Um, I would kill for some fish and chips. I know that's like, Oh, that, that's a it's not a joke. I would kill for some fish and chips. It sounds so good right now. So if you have access, <laughs> uh, wait, send, I think it? It, send it to me. Um, <laughs> Craig Cohen said, live long and prosper. I love you, Craig. Thank you. Uh, Keith of Sea of Madness said, yes, I agree. And he tends to attract other nuts. Oh God, that's true. And then Caller of War called you a doomsayer. <laughs> But uh, we should be back next uh, next Wednesday around the same time. I, I, I won't be out of town, so Michelle will probably yeah. say yes out of fear. 
I mean, if the world is still here. <laughs> and there's the doggo cam. Uh, Chicano is not at all uh, enthused by my uh, my capitalist rantings. So, um, and Shonam said, glad I caught the stream again. Thanks for the good times. Thank you, Shonam. And it really is so nice to know you're doing well. And it's so um, heartwarming, honestly, to feel like, wow, you were around for when I used to live stream all the way back then. And now here you are now. Anyway, we're getting out of here for real. Thank you all so much. You're all really awesome. Uh, Michelle, you have the final word. No. Oh, that's it. That was it. No. Thanks for listening. You can email us at thisshowisawkward at gmail.com or go to awkwardshow.com or whatever. See you next time. <laughs>